Gracious Heavenly Father, we rejoice tonight for the privilege which is ours to preach the everlasting gospel and to declare the message of divine redemption. We thank Thee tonight that God has spoken, and God has spoken through His Son. We bless Thee that we're here to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ, to take men's attention of church and ritual, ceremony and creed, and to point them to a mighty Savior and an almighty Deliverer. We thank Thee, our God and Father, for the simplicity of the gospel. We thank Thee that the wayfaring man, though a fool, may not err therein. We rejoice that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank Thee that He's mighty to deliver, that His touch has lost none of its ancient power, that no word from God can fruitless fall. O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name that Thou wilt bless us in this service tonight. We pray that the Word may be with power. We pray that sinners may be convicted and convinced, and thank God gloriously converted. We thank Thee that this is the great end of the gospel, that those that are in sin might be saved, that those who are lost may be found, that those who are ruined might be reconciled and redeemed. Lord, help us to preach Thy word tonight. The vessel is free the vessel is weak, but this excellency is in earthen vessels, that its glory might be of God and not of us. So, Lord, give us great power in the delivering of the message. We pray for our land and for our city. Our hearts are sad. Our hearts are sore. Men have been murdered in our streets. Oh, God, the enemy is upon us. Evil plans and machinations have come to pass. What we dreaded has now arrived. Oh God, we turn from dishonored leaders. We turn from man whose word is not their bond. We turn to the God that cannot feel. Our fathers trusted in thee and thou didst deliver them. We believe that thou wilt yet deliver us and that we shall rejoice in thee. Stay the hand of the enemy. Overcome the machinations of evil. Let them fall into the net, and that the pit that they have digged for us, let them fall backwards into it themselves. Let us see the hand of our God. Let us know that God is in us, and with us of a truth. Hear this our prayer, and help us. For Jesus' sake, and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. I think that all decent, right-thinking people have been appalled 
at the recent IRA funerals that have tramped the streets of this city. I think it has been a rude eye-opener to those who glory in the name moderate when the photographs of men carrying hurley sticks were the chief mourners at one of these funerals. But the amazing thing is this, and yet it's not amazing to those who know and understand the situation that those funerals had the full blessing of the Roman Catholic Church, that they were buried as members in full communion with the Roman Catholic Church. And we haven't heard one word from Cardinal Conway concerning the whole matter. Make no mistake about it, the Roman Catholic Church is in agreement, basically, with the principles that govern the gunman on the streets of this city. And even Bishop Philbin talked concerning the Valley Murphy riots of the just cause of those that took part in those riots, that they had a just cause. It amazes me when politicians and others command Bishop Philbin when his reservations are far more than his condemnation. And when you read these statements from Dublin that come from Mr. Lynch, Mr. Lynch made no condemnation because his reservations destroyed any condemnation he had to make. And we would need to wake up to this. I was talking to Jim Callahan in the lobbies at Westminster, and uh, I said to him, I said, we don't in Northern Ireland accept anything that Mr. Lynch says because he's deeply involved in a gun-running conspiracy. And we look upon him as a hypocrite of the worst order. And I want to put that on record in this pulpit this evening. When I thought of these funerals, I thought of this portion of Scripture. The tenth verse of the eighth chapter of Ecclesiastes. And so I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. And they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. That scripture can be applied to the funerals that took place in the city. But let me make a statement tonight. That text of scripture can be applied 
to many men who never took a gun in their hand, who never breached the law publicly, who never found themselves at variance with proper constituted authority, who to all intents and purposes were decent, respectable, religious, God-fearing men. And yet it could be said of them what this text says, I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of the holy, and they were forgotten in the city where they had so done. This is also vanity. Three things in this verse. One, you have related for you the life of this wicked man. This text relates his life and it sums up his life in these words. He had come and gone from the place of the holy. There is his life related. Secondly, this text recalls his funeral. Have a look at it. I saw the wicked buried. Last of all, this text records his epitaph. What is it? Written over his grave. This is also vanity. It relates his life. It recalls his funeral. It records his epitaph. My friend, this evening have a look at it. How is the life of this Christ rejecting sinner Recorded in the book. Let me say what something. Every man, woman, and child born into this world, irrespective of their religious affiliation, are born into the family of wicked men and wicked women. This is a most unpalatable truth. For a preacher to come before his congregation and to tell them that by birth they are wicked. It's not popular in the 20th century. I would like to go into some congregations in the city and make this statement. People's eyes would sit out like organ stops. The choir probably would have rickets. The minister would probably fall headlong down the pulpit stairs. And as for the elders, they probably would be in a sweat to think that their minister would dare to say such a thing. But let me lay it on tonight with God's book before me. There is nothing good about any man or any woman in this meeting. Nothing good about us. And I'll tell you something more. 
Only for the grace of God, the murderer's seed that is in our hearts would bear the fruit of murder in our hands. It's only the restraining grace of God that keeps you from breaking out in all the desperate degradation and debauchery of the human heart. This is a terrible text, isn't it? It doesn't talk about the wicked man in his wicked company. No, sir. It doesn't say, I saw the wicked buried till it come and gone from the house of the wicked. No, sir. Had come and gone from the house of Elvim, from the house of sinful, lustful pleasure. No, sir. I saw the wicked buried who had come and gone from the place of the holy. Let me tell you this, friend, that sinners frequent God's house. I'm glad when sinners frequent God's house. For in God's house, they can hear the message of the gospel. But it breaks my heart when sinners continually frequent God's house. Throw over them a robe of Christian profession and learn, lull their conscience in deadly sleep. By pretending to themselves that it is well with their souls. And then hardened by a church-going habit, they become immunized to the power of the preaching of the gospel of Christ. It's far easier to win a full bloated, down-and-out old reprobate sinner than to win a religious person to Jesus Christ. Far harder. And you could come and go from this house, my friend, and you could say amen to the faithful preaching of the gospel from this pulpit, and you could support this ministry, and yet not know the saving power of the everlasting gospel. And be a stranger to the grace of God that you've heard so often preached. And that is the great tragedy. These people, they came and they went from the place of the holy. I wonder, is there someone here? And this text is describing you tonight. You were appalled at the funeral of these murderers, and rightly so. But did you ever think that you were just as much without God and without Christ? Did you ever ponder the fact that it's not relationship to good works that brings the soul to heaven, but it's saving faith in the finished work of the Redeemer? Have you learned the lesson that one thing is needful? And it's not church going or Bible reading or morality or decency or religion. The one thing that's necessary is to be born again of the Spirit of God. 
My friend, this thing troubles my soul. It troubles my heart that many people come to this church and many people support this ministry and many people love the preacher because your actions have proved that to me. And yet as far as the preacher's Savior is concerned, you have never knelt at the cross. You have never trusted in the blood of the Lamb. And my friend, upon my heart, you weigh heavy, friend. I wouldn't like to meet you at the judgment seat of Christ. I wouldn't like to meet you at the great white throne and to say, yes, Lord Jesus, that man was a hearer of mine. That man was a supporter of the ministry. That man was loyal to the cause that I battled and the testimony that I proclaimed. But with all the preaching and with all the hearing and with all the power of God upon the services, that man said no to Jesus Christ and passed on in life to the blackness of darkness forevermore. And I who hope that I have your friendship would witness in that day to your utter and eternal condemnation. My hearer thinks seriously of what I say tonight. We live in strange days. We live in days when life is like vanity. Those five men that drove that jeep, they didn't think that they would never see Another Sunday morning, and as they drove to their work, one second in perfect health, the next second in eternity. I don't know what a day will bring forth. I'm very sure there's many a plan concocted to destroy me. I'm sure of that. I'm very sure that every Protestant walks in this city on a knife's edge. I was talking to one of the policemen who just escaped that kneel bomb the other night. And he was telling me that it was just by a fraction of a second or the police jeep would have been blown to pieces. And some of those six-inch kneels drove themselves into the wood of the Royal Victoria Hospital and buried themselves almost that you couldn't dig them out. And they said to me these words, Mr. Paisley, it might have been me, and I could have been no longer. And I said to that man, young man, you need to be ready to meet God. So we don't know what a day will bring forth. So you would do well to hearken to my words tonight. I'm speaking tonight from my heart to you, friend. Only a preacher can understand a preacher's heart. And only the man that is shepherded the flock can enter into fellowship with one who carries the burden. We purposely sang that hymn tonight. I'm going home to glory soon. To see the city bright, 
to walk the golden streets of heaven and bask in God's own light. But you're my friend, the right of Christ. You're held by many a snare. I cannot leave you lost and alone. I want you over there. That's the burden of my heart tonight. We want to see you saved, friend, by the grace of God. Secondly, this text recalls the funeral. The wicked man was buried. I have seen wicked men buried. I'm not talking now about people outwardly wicked. I had a friend who was a very wealthy man, not a Christian. The last time I spoke to him, I got him upon his knees, and I prayed with him, and I pled with him to take Christ as a seat. And he said to me, Ian, I will not, nor I cannot do it. And he died as he lived. And I saw him buried. It was a private funeral in the house, but because I was his friend, I was invited. And the great man of the community was there because he was a great man financially. He left hundreds of thousands of pounds in property. He left it for you leave it all, friend. Remember that. And the minister came. And there was a mournful cavalcade. And that clergyman put him into the first row of heaven. Put a white robe upon his back and a golden harp in his hand. And told the congregation that the great man who had departed from him was a man of integrity and a man of love and Christian faith. And he was certainly in heaven. And I said as I listened, you're a liar, sir. For I was there when that man rejected Jesus Christ. He was buried with all the ceremony of the church. But as a preacher, was preaching lies. The poor lost soul was damned and tormented in hell. I'm glad, friend, I was faithful to that man. I'm glad I got him on his knees. He's not in hell because Ian Paisley was unfaithful. Thank God for that. For how would I do when I met him at the judgment? If he could have pointed his finger at me and said, that was my friend, and he never told me that I needed to be saved. My friend, I'm dealing with eternal solemnities tonight. Can I picture your funeral? They'll probably send for me. What will I say in that home when a man dies without Christ? My lips are sealed. What can I say? I can preach to the living, but I can say nothing of the dead that are lost.
in that I will look upon your body and shed my tear of grief. I will have to say, as I have said in my heart on many occasions, that man came to God's house. That man listened to God's word. That man was friendly with the preacher and loyal to the cause. But he never trusted Jesus Christ. And friend, that's a tragedy. God forbid it should be the tragedy of your life. I saw the wicked buried. Are we going to witness your burial as an unconverted person? But this text records his epitaph. This is also folly. Folly. The folly of the fool. To live and die within distance of the cross of Christ and to be lost forever in hell's eternal judgment. Friend, that's a terrible thing. Am I directing my thoughts to you? Is there some man tucked away in some of these pews and you're saying, preacher, you're getting at me, I've listened to you for years. I've heard you preach. Over and over again, I wouldn't miss this service here in this church. I wouldn't miss the preaching of the gospel from this pulpit. And yet, friend, you're without Christ. You're not reconciled to God. And as the Spirit of God hovers over the meeting, He spells out your fate. Lost! 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 When the death dew breaks upon your brow and the death rattle comes in your throat and your soul passes into the great untracked, untrodden eternity, then shall there come a shriek from the devils in hell. Lost! 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 Forever. I leave it with you. What reasonings could I bring? Or with what power of speech could I persuade you tonight to flee from the wrath that is to come and to trust in the Savior's blood? I pray, my God, tonight that you'll be reconciled to God and that this night will find you in Christ.